Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan. We've got an exciting show ahead as Christian Willanen has been assigned to Belleville. Looks like he'll make his much-anticipated return to the ice and suffering a shoulder injury in training camp. We're going to look forward to Belleville's upcoming stretch. That's a team that's not only first in the North, but now first in the entire Eastern Conference. Uh, Same can't be said for the Ottawa Senators, but they did put up a fight, well, two to be exact, in their game in Winnipeg over Hockey Day in Canada. Excited to get the boys' take on that game. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, February 10th. We're not only two weeks away from the NHL's trade deadline, but things are heating up around the Ottawa Senators organization. Today I'm here with Chris Parliament, who's out in Woodstock. And Brandon, you're on the other side of the country, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a little farther away than usual. I'm out in beautiful British Columbia at uh, Revelstoke Mountain Resort, just doing some shredding. But Took the day off. I'm a little out of shape, so one one day is snowboarding on the hill, and I need a day off today. But excited to be talking to you guys and chatting some sense. No days off for Parley, right? Though you're all over the place. Yeah, I'm a working man again, gentlemen. So uh, yeah, it's it's no days off, but you know you stay on the grind. You got to do what you can. Yeah, well, we're excited that we we should have some good interviews here coming up. I know we've been slacking on that end, but. The bait has been bit. It's just a matter of uh, of time getting some uh, some scheduling quirks ironed out. But we're looking forward to getting back into that rhythm. But let's get right into the Ottawa Senators and the game on Hockey Day in Canada. Oh, it just warmed my heart to see a scrap right off the bat. And you know what? It's Brady Kachuk in. The, well, there's a scrap right off the bat with Nick Paul, who's just back in the lineup, and Nathan Beaulieu. He's definitely not. Uh, a small customer to go toe to toe with. And both of them, they were, uh, they were at full arm's length and throwing some big punches. Tough to say who got the best of that one. So, I mean, it was nice to see right off the bat, but the one I loved was Brady Kachuk against Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler is not a small guy and he's a veteran in this league. Brady Kachuk lays a big time, clean hit. Blake Wheeler goes over there to say something to him. And Brady, the young guy, the sophomore in the NHL goes, Hey, hey, if you're going to say something, you better stand up too, pal. What I didn't like about it was Blake Wheeler took about an, half an hour to get his gloves off. And then as soon as it comes off after Brady lets him, he suckers him in the jaw. Didn't love that. Brady still got the better of the fight. Yeah, that's a bit of a weird move from Blake Wheeler, especially like you said, that's a veteran guy going up against a 20-year-old. You'd think, like, he, you'd think uh, Wheeler would be the guy who is... Uh, engaging in proper rules of fighting where he kind of tries to throw a quick one at Brady. But, man, Brady Kachuk, he scrapped P.K. Subban a little while ago, and now Blake Wheeler, he's putting the league on notice that he doesn't care who you are, he doesn't care how many points you've got, if you're a captain, if you're a veteran, if you want to talk some smack, he'll back it up, and he sure did that uh, with up against Blake Wheeler with a nice takedown at the end there, too. Huge takedown. 
I'm not even sure he's got to be putting people on notice anymore because you look at the stats leading the league around and he's his name is up there for two of them. He's second in the league in hits, but his shot, I mean, he's been getting some great chances lately. And boys, I remember back at his very first development week at camp and he was the only guy in a drill from the hash marks to beat Philip Gustafson twice in a row. And that was like the Philip Gustafson show that mm-hmm. week at dev camp. And now we're starting to see it at the National League level. I think Brady secretly has a very, very good wrister. He's got one of those ones where you can just snap it up quick. We saw it against Colorado in the lone goal. And then he had another break against, uh, who was Laurent Brassois in net, I believe. And uh, Brassois got the better of him there. But that quick, that shot gets off in a hurry and it looks like he hides it well. It looks like he's mid-stick handle and he's able to get it up there. So, I mean, the more he develops, he's looking like a skilled guy on the breakaway. But then, like we said, he can run guys over and stand up to it too. So Brady's fun to watch, that's for sure. Well, yeah, he's endearing himself every day to more and more to Ottawa Senators fans. Who's more skilled, Brady Kachuk? Or Mikel Bodker, because Mikel Bodker got on the score sheet in Winnipeg. And uh, looks like he's going to be uh, rewarded for it, eh, Pilsy? Yeah, it's it's an interesting move by DJ Smith here. Uh, Schlappick, a healthy scratch, at least uh, on the practice lines today, Monday, February 10th. So it's going to be interesting to see if DJ Smith does stick with Bodker in the lineup. I think I think maybe that's just him throwing the veteran uh, a bone, saying you had a you had a goal in last game. We'll give you another chance here. Even though, Farley, I'm pretty sure you could have buried that one. Uh, he was wide open. Nobody in that as uh, Brassois. He kind of got the the shaft of the stick there when Pionk fanned on the pass and Bodker just buried the empty net goal. So good on Bodker for getting a goal, but I'm not sure it's the right move uh, putting a guy like him in the lineup and having Schlappick sit in the press box. I think it's a great move for the tank. I mean, that's what it all comes down to this year, right, boys? Especially in this two weeks leading up to the deadline. That's why I'm not mad about a potential Philip Schlappick healthy scratch. You want these guys who you're looking to trade. We're going to get into the clash later where we'll talk about whether Chris Tierney, whether it's better for him to stay or go. Both Pajot and Tierney, there's your top two centers right now. I don't think there's any um, kind of mistake as to why, although Pajot's been playing up there all year. We've kind of seen a rotation of, at the second line center spot. So um, I, th- I think having Chris Tierney there, it's... Uh, you know, an, an important two weeks for him. Because if you can get the right return, and even if it's a bit less than what you're getting from Pajot, I think Tierney might be the guy who uh, who should be on his way out. And, you know, Pedro found a score sheet too. Another time where he scores and his stock just continues to rise. You know, he's a guy that you notice on the ice now. He used to be really good because he was good at the little things. And, you know, he was almost one of those players early in his career where if you didn't notice him, it was a good thing because he was playing kind of that third line, quiet centerman role where he's playing shutdown minutes. But now, like you said, Ross, Pajor was up there on the top line playing between Brady Kachuk where he's got Duclair riding shotgun on his wing. So, I mean, this is... uh. This is a guy whose stock just continues to rise in John Gabriel Pajot after another matinee game when all the guys are on in Canada, or at least are on hockey. He goes out and scores. Uh, another guy that doesn't score, just mention him, Anthony Duclair. Yeah, it's up to 17 games now without a goal, just four assists over that stretch. Uh, Pilsy, do you get a chance to see his game on Saturday? What'd you think of that? Tough, tough sledding for Anthony Duclair here for a guy that just. Started off the season so hot, 
and just it seemed like he was scoring almost every game. He got a hat trick against his former team to get the last laugh on Torts, but it's been a struggle for him lately, and it's it's really too bad for him because this is a big contract year for him, and really, I would think you want to finish the year off strong so that in the mind of Pierre Dorian, all he's thinking about is how many times he's lit the lamp, but I think this is just a bit of a slump for a guy like Duclair, and once he gets the monkey off his back and snaps that goalless drought, I think we'll see him get right back into things and be scoring goals left, right, and center. And the the old adage in baseball is uh, speed doesn't slump, but I mean, in hockey right now, I mean, you look at Anthony Duclair, he's flying all over the ice. He's gotten shots on goal. He's creating stuff with his legs, but he just can't get anything to go. So, I mean, right now he might be starting to label himself as a streaky goal scorer, much like the guy they saw in that game in Patrick Laine, who had a hat trick coming off that power play. If the Senators can find anybody that has a shot like his, how fun would that be to watch that power play with Brady out front? Now we got Drake Batherson on the wing, and you got Thomas Shabbat. If you could find a shooter like Laine, oh man, how fun would that be? Well, they have a Finn in their system who's got the, the patented Tom bomb. So hopefully Lassie Thompson <laughs> one day can slide into that role. Sends P- PK. I mean, they, they do so much well offensively on their PK, but still in the bottom third of the league in, in percentage-wise, just under 80 at 78.8%. Um, yeah, you can't allow three to the same guy. It's, it's similar to the situation with Ovi, though. They're both right shot, and they love setting up at the top of the left circle. Um, teams know it's coming. But they're that good and that elite of of shooters that it usually doesn't really matter. And they got great puck movers on their power play too. Let's not look away from a guy like Nick Baxter who's put together a hell of a career because of his passing ability off the sidewall. Got a guy like Mark Shifley out there as well. And uh, this power play from uh, Winnipeg, I mean, they used to have that big Bufflin bomb at the point, and now they're going to line a, which you said, and his idol growing up in Alex Ovechkin, he's kind of playing the exact same role. But yeah, if you're if you're game planning against it, it's do you go put a guy right on him and just kind of take him out of the play, but then leave a wide open lane to back door? I mean, it's tough to tough to get around when a guy's got that elite of a shot. Yeah, and I, w- I was looking at the, those goals today. The first goal, I don't know if you guys remember that, but it seemed like not a single Ottawa Senator even had was keeping an eye on line. He was floating in that spot like you talked about, Ross, on the left side, waiting for that one-timer pass. It didn't really ca- uh, come to him, but then he got the rebound and buried it. And then his second goal was a tip from the point. I mean, not much you can do there. It was a nice play. And then his third goal to get the Hattie, uh, we talked about the Sens being good offensively when they're on the penalty kill, but they gave up a four-on-one after a turnover <laughs> heading the other way. And uh, Golubov was the only defenseman back, I'm pretty sure. So, spoiler alert, uh, four-on-one with Golubov as the defenseman back. It was an easy goal for Line A to get the Hattie. Yeah, well, talking about one power play specialist to a, a man who had over 30 points in... 40 games. He actually set a franchise record for the Belleville Senators last year and only played, as I mentioned, 40 games. He played another half season in the NHL, had 12 points. So 43 points for Christian Willannon as a 23-year-old first-year pro. Everyone was so excited about his development and then tough. For the second year in a row, last year's Pajot on the first day of training camp. This year, Christian Willannon. That's a long road to recovery for all the way since September. While well, he's been skating for, I think, months, but really ramped it up in the last few weeks here. And 
He's going to make his debut for Belleville. Just got reassigned today. That is so exciting because when you look at the Belleville team, that top nine interchangeably is so good. Even their fourth line has guys where you're like, man, that could be a top six AHL player. The back end, especially when Ottawa was dealing with injuries, ah, you couldn't say the same thing depth-wise. Willannon, how much does he mean to this Belleville team? And what do you think the plan's going to be for him, Pillar? I think Willannon coming down to the AHL is... Like, we, we've already talked about how dominant this Belleville team is, and it's about to get a whole lot better. You've got Branstrom and Willannon um, on the left side on the first pair and second pair, I'm assuming. So that's just going to stabilize that back end so much. And Willannon, he's a great puck-moving defenseman. I can't wait to see how he does on the power play, whether it's on the first unit or second unit in Belleville, because he can just dance that line so well, the blue line, and keep that puck in and make plays. So... I think we're going to see Willannon down in Belleville uh, kind of on a conditioning stint at least until the trade deadline when possibly defensemen uh, with uh, expiring contracts like Hainsey, DeMello, and Boro might be traded. I mean, I'm, you guys are probably in the same boat hoping that Boro and DeMello get re-signed and maybe they move Hainsey. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake up and where Willannon will end up throughout the season. But I think really you can have him playing in Belleville all year or move him up. There's so many options depending on how this roster shakes up. There's uh, one thing for sure, and that is he has to be in the AHL roster two weeks from now so that he's eligible for the AHL playoffs. I think that is without question that they'll expect him to be a leader down in during that playoff run as kind of a, a veteran, I guess, considering how young uh, the team is. And that's kind of funny to say as he's only got one He's full pro year under his belt. But if you call him up after the trade deadline, let him play 20 NHL games. It's a guy who's already played uh, enough NHL games. not even considered a rookie anymore at that level. So it, I think it just gives you so much more flexibility in if you're Pierre Dorian, what you want to do. This guy has to be the hungriest guy in hockey, too. I mean, he's gotten his taste in the NHL. He's looked like he's been able to do it. He's watched how good Belleville's been all year. He's watched how bad Ottawa's been all year. And just sitting in the press box, or not even in the press box, hasn't been around the squad for how long. Then you come back and you start to get the taste of it in practice. And like you said, Russ start really ramping it up and getting in game shape. So this guy, I think, is going to come out flying. I think he is a very capable skater at the NHL level. So watching him at the AHL level is just going to be that much more fun. He can push the pace. He can control the puck. You mentioned his passing ability. So what an ad this will be. And, uh, you know, whatever happens from now till the end of the season in Ottawa is kind of just uh, written off in a lot of a lot of minds of fans. But this team in Belleville, once they get healthy and they get down to the playoffs when they have everyone available to them playing for them man oh man is that going to be a lot of fun to watch and i honestly think this is a team that can win it all in belleville yeah well they they jumped all the way to tops in the eastern conference only the milwaukee admirals have more points than them now and their latest conquest was over the laval rocket and they did that without logan brown who's out with a, a hand injury we don't know how serious that is yet and Balsers, who was under the weather. So without those two of their top six forwards, well, Parley, shocker, their other young kids got it done. And put up some numbers, too, that are uh, pretty memorable. You look at a guy like Josh Norris, what a season he's having as a rookie. I mean, I don't know if it was coming to Ottawa and just kind of getting that, that uh, 
that extra boost with maybe having your best friend Brady Kachuk in the organization is kind of a welcoming mat getting into it. But, you know, that's another guy coming off of a shoulder injury that's come into this the season just absolutely on a tear. The reason I would bring him up is because, oh, guess what? He scored again. That's 50 AHL points for Norris. And another guy that Sens fans are happy to see hit any milestone because of the way he came into the organization. And Eric Brandstrom, 50 points as well. So it took the defenseman Brandstrom 71 games, and it took Norris 47. Those are big-time numbers, especially for Josh Norris, who absolutely looks like a centerman that the, that the Senators are going to have in the NHL in the future. Yeah, huge, and they extended their win streak to seven games and have won nine of their last ten. Those are big numbers, and if you're a company that wants big numbers and big results on the bottom line, well, then you should be advertising with us here, and if you're a listener to this podcast in particular, I'm sure you've already heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but what you may not know is that the Locked On Senators podcast is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Ottawa Senators fans, just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listeners, a Locked On podcast listener. You're listening to it right now. I mean, come on. If your company wants to connect With Ottawa Senators fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income. Well, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked-on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com backslash advertising. We're looking forward to hearing from you and your company. Before we get to the Tankathon spin, some news and notes for the Ottawa Senators and The Clash. We'll get to The Clash next, but we have stick taps and congratulations to hand out to probably the most well-liked senator. I think that's uh, a title that he can have now. But Mark Borowiecki and his wife Tara welcomed their Boro baby into the world. So that's really exciting for for the whole Ottawa Senators fan uh, and their community. Miles Merrick Borowiecki, born February 9th. So Uh, If you boys want to add anything to that, or we can just give some stick taps. Absolutely stick taps. Uh, Just glad everything's healthy. Good guy. You know, I just think it's so funny that the Boro Cop thing happened with his baby's future clothes in hand. That's just hilarious to me. Yeah, of course, he's not on the trip uh, for this much more important reason. Funny enough, I just commented congrats just from the uh, from my account on Instagram on it and Sure enough, just good guy Boro writes back, goes, thanks, Ross. Like, you know, personalized message. Like, how, how simple of a thing, but just kind of shows the guy that uh, that Boro is. And look out 18 years from now, that kid on draft day, adding some toughness and uh, some grit to some team's lineup. He's going to be uh, definitely a highly sought after commodity if he turns out anything like his, his dad. 2038 draft eligible. <laughs> yeah, every other kid born that year, keep 
your head up. And yeah. I mean, er, more so earlier in his career, but you always had to keep your head up when Dion Phaneuf was on the ice. And since we didn't do a podcast yesterday, February 8th, we or February 9th, rather, we weren't able to mention that it was four years to the day that Dion Phaneuf, Matt Fratton, Casey Bailey, Ryan Rupert, and Cody Donahue were acquired from the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for Jared Cowan, Colin Greening, Milan McCulloch, Tobias Lindbergh, and a 2017 second-round pick. Parley, I'm going to ask you one question, and Pilsy, you the next, but Parley, are you surprised that four years later, not a single one of those 10 players I just listed are in the NHL? I was going to ask you a question back saying true or false or any of them in the league right now, but uh, no, not really. I mean, that was a lot of contracts being moved around in the, you know, some, some guys going one way in uh, Dion Phaneuf and kind of a, a need to put beside Cody CC that we thought was going to maybe explode into the player that the Senator thought he was taking him in the first round. Obviously, that didn't happen. But uh, yeah, Dion Phaneuf was kind of the big name in that trade, but can't really say I'm um, that uh, that surprised none of them are in the league well, anymore. Well, M- Matt Fratton didn't even show up. They just loaned him right back to the Marlies. So he got <laughs> traded, but we were signing his paychecks, but then just loaned right back. Um, Dion Phaneuf did have his signature moment, of course, game two. Would you say this trade is worth it? Because at the time, everyone was worried about how the Sens were going to deal with that Phaneuf contract. It didn't take much to get rid of it, did it? Well, I'm going to say no, Ross. I don't think it was worth it because the Senators are still on the hook for Dion Phaneuf, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, looking at Cap Friendly. Yeah, exactly. They still have some retained salary from trading him to L.A. 720 grand this season, 1.3 mil next season, and then just over 350 grand up until 2023. And... It's kind of funny. It almost seems like the only time the Leafs and Senators make trades is when they're sending a garbage truck one way to another down the 401, just giving each other each other's garbage players that they don't <laughs> want to deal with anymore. So that's a that was a crazy trade when it happened. But it's even crazier that, like you said, four years later, none of these players have any impact in either franchise. Yeah, I think you're being too hard on Dion. I thought he was actually good in that playoff run. He had a few huge hits against Pittsburgh, too. Remember? Guys cutting across the middle. I think he caught Brian Rust with his head down. Yeah. Um, like he, he did make his presence felt. I think that's what you brought him in for. And, I mean, 17, 17 penalty minutes, 46 hits in the 19 playoff games. The one goal, of course, standing out that game winner in game two when the Sens were already down one one nothing in the series. Ottawa needed that, and not even two minutes into the overtime, he gets it. And I think for that reason alone, he, the trade was worth it. And I'm a Gosh. Milan McCulloch guy. I want <laughs> Milan McCulloch on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, losing Milan McCulloch uh, six months after I named my dog after him was, uh, was a tough pill to swallow. I'm ready for anything here come trade deadline in two weeks because, and as all you listeners know, being Ottawa Senators fans, it's likely to be the worst-case scenario. We've already discussed with Pajot. We all believe that he should stay. And I have a feeling that that means that this man is... We're going to have the opposite opinion because, let's face it, 
there's so many centermen coming up. You can't keep everybody. Chris Tierney is our featured member of the Clash. Parley, make me the argument why we should keep him. Um, you need 18 NHL bodies for hockey games. Well, well, Parley, if you uh, if you don't want to hop in on that, I, I'll say really that Chris Tierney is directly tied to what happens with Pajot. And as much as we all would like to keep Pajot, I think it's seeming more and more obvious that the Senators are going to trade him at the deadline, especially with it's kind of a weak deadline, eh, guys? Like. Other than Chris Kreider, Pajot is probably the top talent that might be available. And another thing to look at too, if you're the Senators, you're gonna if you're gonna trade Pajot for a good return while he's having a career season, he just scored last game. Uh, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season and is two years older than Chris Tierney. And Chris Tierney is a restricted free agent. So if you're the Senators, that gives you a lot more negotiating leverage when it, uh, in comparison with those two centermen. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with these guys. But I've really liked Tierney as an Ottawa center. I think he's done a really good job on the penalty kill. And um, his, he has an underrated ability to break out and enter the zone, which this team has struggled with so much this year, just getting into the other team's blue line. So I think there's a lot of value to Tierney, but it all depends on what they're going to do with Jean-Gabriel Pajot. I think you brought up a good uh, point there, and that would actually be one of the reasons I think he would be a good sell. Uh, I'm not sure what you'd be able to get in return for him. It would depend on the team and what their needs are moving forward if they're in a playoff spot. But uh, his penalty-killing ability on a team that, as you mentioned, Ross hasn't had the greatest penalty kill all season, but they've certainly been putting up points, which is something that could attract other teams as well. So, uh, And another thing, too, other than his uh, his penalty-killing ability, and I guess it kind of goes hand-in-hand, hand, is his face-off percentage. If you can get a guy playing in your in your bottom six that's winning 50% of his draws, that's that's something that uh, not a lot of teams have. So moving forward, that could be something that attracts some buyers as well. Um, one more thing, too, is a lot of people forget when San Jose played Pittsburgh in the final uh, a couple years ago, he was on that team. and he was So he has uh, Game 7 experience in a Stanley Cup final, which you don't find every day. So there's a couple different things that would make some buying teams maybe, maybe uh, chomp at, at something that the Senators were able to offer them. But... I'm not sure what the return would be, and uh, it would. I mean, I don't see much point in keeping him. Uh, Pillar, I guess, yeah, you raised some points, and the Senators do need some players to fill out a lineup, like I said earlier. But I think if you get uh, a decent collection of picks or a decent pick out of him, uh, I think that would be something uh, that would be worth selling. Yeah, in that 24-game playoff where they uh, lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2016, five goals, nine points, and plus eight. Um, the only thing that I would worry about is teams would be wary of his, uh, you know, maybe he's not the fleetest of foot. And I think in a bottom six role for a playoff team, teams are looking a lot more speed-wise. But it's tough to ignore that he had 48 points last year yeah. and has already won-upped his goal. He only had nine goals, 39 assists, which is also impressive. But he's already got 10 goals in 55 games, 28 points. Like There, there has to be some value here, and that's putting aside his four shorthanded goals, which is a career high. So I think there, there is definitely some value to him. The other part is that you have to understand, versus Pajot being a UFA, Chris Tierney is still under team control. So with that being said, 
He's arbitration eligible. He's in the second year of a contract making 2.9. So that means his qualifying offer would be around $3 million. That's a pretty affordable uh, $3 million if he's putting up 40 to 50 points. So you, you, I think this is a situation where the team's going to have to weigh it, but it all comes down to what's going on with Pajot. I think that's kind of the, the big shoe to drop, and then everything else will fall into place uh, once that does. So can, can um, I ahead. ask you guys quickly, though, can they afford to trade both of these guys? No. We say that on the same day that we just said Philip Schlafick was a healthy scratch, though. Yeah, that that's very fair to say. Um, I mean, it is probably going to be the ugliest 16 games of hockey if, if they do. We'd have Artie Party yeah. up at uh, playing first-line center. I just <laughs> think that Pajot needs to stay for the culture. And because mm-hmm. he's a good hockey player, uh, if he's asking for more for an outrageous contract, I don't blame him for that. But that's when you walk away. But if both sides want to get a deal done here, it shouldn't be that hard. Always harder when you're negotiating with either an unrestricted or restricted free agent. But when you're signing a guy who you drafted late, not as hard. It's uh, been rumored now, uh, French media outlet reporting that the Ottawa Senators are in contract talks with Kevin Mandelazy. And as a goalie-friendly show, we have to shout that out and give him some stick taps, too, because Kevin Mandelazy, he's leading the entire QMJHL in save percentage. Um, boys, this is an or a, a situation where the Sens already have so much depth on in the in between the pipes here, going down to even drafting Mad Sogart, who isn't signed but is a part of the system now. Um this seems like a no-brainer, though. He's got a 9.23 save percentage and a 27-1 and record here in Cape Breton. This is, I think, just a sign that Andy's on the way out the door. It's so sad. Um, Sean Simpson tweeted out, and I didn't even realize this, but apparently it's very important for Andy to get to 200 wins with the Sens. He's at 198. Ugh. I... You know what? I respect that from Andy, but let's be honest here. It might be tough for him to get two wins before the deadline. Yeah, I know. But he, uh, and there's a, a presser he did recently where he just said it would be a very sad day if I go. I think that with what Andy's done for this team, like, what are you going to get for him? A fourth rounder? If he wants to just play out this season, I don't see any harm in it. I think that you just let him do it. I mean, there's going to be teams that are thirsty for backups. And no, they aren't. Not for, I mean, he's making $4 million. Even if you keep half of it, I think most teams are going to be better suited using that money elsewhere, don't you think? I don't know, man. An injury could happen from now till deadline day. Oh, I don't know. I just, this is a situation that's pulling at my heartstrings. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ross. And I don't, I don't think it's really going to move the needle too much either way if he gets traded or stays. But, then you get into a situation. We just talked about the Sens are looking at signing um, uh, Mandalese, another goalie. And do you really want to have three goalies in your system when Nielsen comes back and then possibly taking um, time away from a guy like Marcus Hogberg, who you know is going to be in in this uh, franchise's crease in the future, just to be kind of do the classy thing and give Andy a chance? I, I don't think it really matters either way, but it's a decision the Senators are going to have have to make. No, well, it's kind of irrelevant in a sense because even if he signs, he's not 
playing pro this year. He's going to finish out the year in Cape Breton. No, I I didn't mean that he would affect that, but I just mean the grand pitcher is there. Yeah, after this season, so many sure. goalies. Yeah, after this season, you're not re-signing Craig Anderson. No, but if he wants to play out the rest of this season, I don't think you. Ha- I think that you owe it to him if he says he doesn't want to get traded. Don't yep. trade him. Yeah, that's fair. Do you think it's important to uh, Andy? At Harley's all ready to. to Harley's go... ready to drive, friggin' drive him to the airport. <laughs> Do you think it's important to Andy at all that uh, he maybe has a chance to join a contending team and go on a playoff run, or no? Exactly. That's I don't want to talk for him, but I don't think so. No. Did Did you listen to him the other day, and he did not sound like a guy who wanted to leave. You'd rather have 200 wins in a Sens uniform than a Stanley Cup ring? They always <laughs> say goalies are crazy, and I don't think there's been anything <laughs> crazier than Martin Jones not being able to stop a beach ball this season. They've kind of leaned on Aaron Dell, and um, with the Shark Tank update, they've actually won two games in a row. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10, and they have the fifth-best odds at the first overall pick so without further ado boys i think we should get into our 2020 nhl draft lottery simulator brought to you by tankathon.com backslash nhl meanwhile as well as having that fifth pick that belongs to san jose the ottawa senators own pick currently has the third best chance of course they lost five straight two wins in their last 10 games only the la kings who have also lost five in a row and the detroit red wings are a higher percentage um Pilsy, would you like to lead it off let's do it here we go all right boys sends pick comes in at number three and then okay. the the san jose pick drops down to seven so you know what having a pick in the top three i'm fine with that and you can make something happen with the seventh pick too so that's not bad and i i think san jose is only going to get worse as the season goes on so i think that pick is going to get higher and higher as we continue these uh, draft lottery simulators. Chris, do the honors. I don't know what I did to this website, but it just hates me. I have not had a pick go up in the last, I think, four or five spins. Ottawa's own pick dropping down to fifth, and that means San Jose's pick drops down to sixth. So fifth and sixth. Uh, Ross, I think we called that the uh, the two Swedish forward zone, Alexander Holtz and Lucas Raymond. So maybe that's something to look forward to. A couple more Swedes entering the Ottawa the Ottawa system, but I would way rather have a top three pick. Yep, me too. And my spin gave the exact same results. Ottawa's own pick moves down two spots to fifth, and San Jose's moves down one to sixth. So it, I mean, it's a it's a good kind of preparation that you know the lottery balls might not go in our favor a top 10 pick however is a top 10 pick and through all of our spins we started this on january 7th every day that we record a podcast we post and so far the sixth and seventh picks are the each tied with eight spins each um followed by fifth and then eighth so first second and third is not guaranteed by any stretch which is kind of scary. You know, I think overall the bad luck in the last couple years for Ottawa were due for some good luck. So uh, I think a top three pick, oh man, imagine having two top three picks. Oh, it's what gets me through this very difficult stretch, which continues tomorrow night in Colorado. Chris and I will be back tomorrow to break down that game and look ahead to the weekend for Belleville, 
For Chris Parliament and Brandon Pillar, thanks for joining us all the way out in BC. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.